Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Are you glad that you are loved of God this morning? Amen. Praise Jesus, huh? God loves every single one of us. There's not a person here that he does not care deeply for. And we are thrilled to have those of you online as well as each one of you here in person today to, to just relish in the love of God. We have so much to be thankful for, and yet we live in a world that is seemingly coming apart. And uh, we need to, as the people of God, seek God, and we need to seek his help uh, in these hours in which we're living. We're going to be studying from the uh, churches in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. And uh, it's about the church at Smyrna, a church that is suffering deeply and my friends, today, as we sit in the comfort of a wonderful worship center, there are so many of our brothers and sisters that are in fear of their lives. They've had their routines interrupted. They have had to leave everything behind. Some of them have had their limbs cut off. They have been beheaded. There is a all-out attack of Satan and evil against those who know Jesus. And we need to be praying deeply for our brothers and sisters today. This is not a time for us to be disengaged. This is a time for us to seek God with all of our hearts. And so I want us to read this passage this morning and understand that Smyrna represents the church down through the ages of history. There have been periods of time when the persecution has been greater. In fact, today, most historians would say that the persecution against the people of God has reached a point that has not been reached before in history. There's more persecution coming against God's people around the world. We don't hear about it. The media totally ignores it. You don't <clears throat> see it on social media. You don't read much about it. But let me tell you, the church of Jesus Christ today is under attack as never before. So I want you to open your Bibles and keep them open to this passage. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to pick it up at verse 8. And we will read through verse 11. Will you please stand in honor of the word of God? And to the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. But you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, do not fear what you are about to suffer. 
Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning with hearts that are torn because of what we see is happening to so many of our brothers and sisters around the world today. Our hearts are breaking. As we sit here in comfort and ease and have all of our needs met, so many are fleeing for their very lives. They don't know what will happen within another hour. To them or their loved ones or their children or their wives, we are living in a world where evil is no longer under the table. It is evident. It is right in our face. And so, Lord, I pray that you would... Help us as your people to come to grips with the fact that suffering is not just a word that is found in the scripture, but it is something that you call us as your Christ followers to endure and experience. For if they hated you, they will hate us. If they despised you, they will despise us. If they killed you, they will seek to kill us. Lord, we pray for the suffering church today, all around the world, especially, Lord, in Afghanistan and Nigeria. Burkina Faso, and Lord, the suffering, the people of Haiti. Oh, God, somehow, some way, break our hearts and help us to take our stand as the people of Smyrna did amidst incredible odds. Thus we pray for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, our world is in an attack mode. And the people of God are the number one targets. Ten years ago in Afghanistan, after... Everything took place. The Taliban had been in rule. According to our State Department, there was not one Christian church left in Afghanistan in 2010. Not one. The remnants of Christianity had been eliminated. Today, 11 years later, the second fastest growing church in the world is the church in Afghanistan. 
That church has experienced renewal and revival. Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in droves. And yet today, these pastors who basically registered Christianity, according to the Gospel Coalition, who who registered Christianity as an official language, as an official religion in Afghanistan, a total Islamic situation, country, where Christians are forbidden to meet. That church has been registered as an official faith in Afghanistan just this past July. And today, those Christian leaders are being hunted. They are being pursued. The Taliban know their name, their location, what they sign, what they do. They are after God's people. This is not just happening in Afghanistan. This is happening in Nigeria. It's happening in many, many parts of the world. Oh, the media. (laughs) They never take note of this. You know, they think we're a bunch of dummies. Don't know what's going on. They feed us stuff that we can't even prove today. But there is a host of God's people today that are experiencing incredible persecution because of their identity with Jesus. And I don't know how any of us, myself included, can even proceed in worship without calling on God to somehow intervene for our brothers and our sisters in Christ our missionaries. Think of the missionary kids. Can you imagine taking a little baby and dangling it over a barbed wire fence to safety? Can you imagine doing that with your child? Can you, can, we, we are so immunized from this kind of suffering. The Western church has no understanding of suffering. We hear the word suffering and we say, that's what happens to them. How sad. And I feel this morning that we as the people of God, we need to pray and pray and seek God's face on behalf of our suffering brothers and sisters. So there are three mics set up here. And I'm going to kneel down. And I want as many as feel led by the Holy Spirit to come to these mics and let's engage in a season of prayer for those that are experiencing pain that we cannot even imagine. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, we just come before you now and we thank you just as Pastor reminded us of all the privileges we have here, Lord, and that we are insulated and protected from the harsh realities of life that uh, our brothers and sisters face around the world. Lord, we know that you are faithful. We know that ultimately that you win. But we also know that many of our brothers and sisters are struggling in ways that we can't even begin to understand. We just pray for them, Lord. We pray for endurance. We pray for wisdom. We pray for courage for these men and women and often in case children, Lord, that are being persecuted, are being hunted, are going without food or are going without water, are going without shelter, Lord, as they seek to be faithful to what you have called them to. We pray for that perseverance for them and that wisdom, Lord, and we ultimately just trust you and your plans, Lord, even though when we don't understand and um, what, uh, what's always happening. We just continue to pray for them, Lord, and we pray that uh, for us here who aren't experiencing these things, Lord, that we will be sensitive uh, to our brothers and sisters that are, Lord, and we will look for ways to support them in any way we can. Father in heaven, we thank you for choosing us to be here in the United States. Thank you for this country. And at this time, um, you give us your grace to endure the things around us. And as we live here and are observing the changes that might be coming to our nation, give us supernatural ability to approach those around us with words of love from you, grace from you, and uh, help us to lead people to know Jesus as their Savior as they come into our homes and into our presence who are not from the United States. I'm just running upon them day after day, and I ask that you would use me as a light in the darkness, give courage and strength to those around the world who think they can't endure the arrows from Satan, the enemy, and thank you that your grace is sufficient. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're the God of mercy, you're the God of miracles, and I pray, Father God, right now, that you would intervene in this situation in Afghanistan, that you would do miracles that even the news media would have to acknowledge, where you have your flaming angels appear with protection, with divine provision. I pray, Father God, that you would pour out your spirit of wisdom upon the Afghanis who are Christians and those who are being hunted. Father, that you would give them divine wisdom. You would give them a knowing, I need to go here or I need to go there. I need to hide or I need to walk through the crowd and be invisible 
to the enemy. Father God, I pray that your presence would be so strong that the terrorists, even those in a Taliban, Lord God, would have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. I pray, Lord God, you know the ones who are going to receive Jesus. I pray, Lord God, you would give those Taliban members the opportunity to repent and receive Jesus. I pray, Father God, that you would do so many miracles that everybody would know that Jesus is Lord. Whether they receive him or not, they would have to know that you are at work and that you are saving your church. I pray, Father God, that your spirit of peace, your shalom, would fall upon those who are being pursued, that fear would be held at bay, like being in the center of this hurricane in the eye where it's very calm and peaceful as chaos swirls around you. I pray, Father God, that you would move with your mighty hand and do miracles that none of the world can deny. They would have to acknowledge what you are doing. I pray, Father God, that many would come into the kingdom because of what is happening, because of this persecution. And Father God, again, I praise you because you are the God of mercy, the God of miracles, and the God of provision, the God of deliverance. And I praise you and I thank you, Lord God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that just as Jesus did miracles on the earth when he was here, he's still doing them. I thank you, Father God, and I say amen and amen. I pray, Father, for the grace that you will grant to them in their persecution and suffering, even unto death. I pray that your grace will enable our fellow brothers and sisters to remain steadfast, uh, that you would surround them with your angels of protection, and uh, that in supernatural ways you will be revealed in this crisis, uh, not only to those that are yours, but to those that are our enemies, and indeed they are, they are our enemies, and these, we are, I pray that you would humble the church in the West to be in solidarity with our brothers and sisters around the world. We just sung a song that says that you know our name and you know the names of your people. Those who have called upon you and put their faith and confidence in you in Afghanistan, you know their names. We're praying for them that they would have the holy boldness to stand firm in the faith. We don't know what the outcome will be, but we know what our desire is, Father, that they would be delivered and that has already been prayed, it would be evidence of your power and your grace. But Father, we also recognize that uh, even like the church in Smyrna, the letter was not perhaps something they wanted to hear, that they would suffer and some would die. We pray that there would be a, a sense of uh, the presence of Christ, the awareness that taking a, a human life in this world does not end our life. We thank you for the promise we have in Christ 
the security in him. And we pray that for the believers there in Afghanistan. In Christ's name. Father, we we don't know what to do, but along with Jehoshaphat of old, our eyes are on you. The battle is not ours, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we pray that you, O Spirit of God, that you might show yourself mighty. There is nothing too hard for you. With you all things are possible. May we as your church not neglect those that are paying the ultimate sacrifice even in these moments. We lift them to you. In your precious name, amen. Suffering is something that we in the West know little about. It is something that we hear about every once in a while. A message will be addressed about suffering, but again, until you actually experience it, where you are fleeing for your life or you have something that has occurred that a family member has been killed, it's very difficult for us to even grasp what Jesus is saying to the church here in Smyrna. These are evil days. These are days in which uh, Satan has been unleashed in ways that I've never experienced, at least in my lifetime. Now, evil is no longer in disguise. It is out in the open. Every single one of us are touched by it every single day. And our world and our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and these other parts of the world that we've mentioned are experiencing suffering and persecution and death in a manner we can't even grasp. I think of those dear people in Haiti that suffered this incredible earthquake. 100,000 homes destroyed. How would you like to go home to your home? Nothing but rubble today. 100,000 without food, water, medical help, have to set up something outside. We, we live in a world that is absolutely experiencing evil, no matter which way we turn. And this is why the message of Jesus to the church at Smyrna, I believe, is very significant. Very interesting. I usually plan my preaching program about four months in advance. I had no idea that we would be studying the church at Smyrna today. And yet that's how the Holy Spirit works. 
we as the people of God need to take a pretty careful look at what the Lord of the Lampstands has to say about this church that is suffering not because they did anything wrong. In fact, Smyrna is the only church of the seven where there's no words of condemnation. But they are suffering simply because they have chosen to take sides with Jesus Christ. And they have refused to compromise no matter what. And it's very important that we understand that the one who's evaluating the church is the ultimate consultant. Last week we discovered that he holds the messengers, the pastors of the church under his authority. We discovered last week that he walks among the church. He knows everything that goes on in the church. There's not a situation that we face locally, regionally, nationally, or internationally that he's not aware of. He knows every single thing. The Bible says he even knows the amount of hairs on our head. Some of us don't give him a lot to work with, but, uh, you know, he, he knows the number. He knows. He knows every single thing about you. He knows things about you that you don't even know. Because he is the one who is walking among the church. And it's very interesting as he begins here to talk to the church at Smyrna, he reminds them once again of his credentials. Notice in verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words, notice, of the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. The one who is evaluating the church is the eternal God, the one who does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He reminds them that what he has to say about them is something that is very, very, very important for them to hear as they experience turbulence and pressure and suffering. He is the eternal one. Notice also he is the one who died and came to life. So he is the one who really has the credentials, has the character to speak to this church that's suffering. So much of what we hear today comes from those who have no character. From those who have no moral compass. From those who everything is relative, everything is up for grabs. We have a sure word of truth in this book. This book is where we get our marching orders. And this book it's what we are willing to die for. This book, it's God's word to us. And Jesus makes it very clear to this church that, that he's the first and the last. He's the one who purchased the church with his own blood. He's the one who's given the church life. We are a life-giving group of people because we have experienced new life in Jesus. He died for us. He was resurrected for us. He and he alone has the credentials to evaluate churches, especially those that are going through times of suffering. Now notice what he says, verse 9. He says, I know your tribulation, know your affliction. 
And that particular word is a very interesting word. It means to be in a tight place like grapes being, spread, being pressed for their juice. In other words, the Christians at Smyrna are experiencing crushing experiences. These aren't just little irritations. These are experiences that crush them. They are under incredible pressure. They're hard-pressed on one hand by the pagans because Smyrna was a place of emperor worship. And when the believers turned to Christianity from paganism, from worshiping the empire, the pagans began to persecute them, began to create issues for them, bodily harm to them. That was part of the crushing experience. And then there were the Jews who had not turned to the gospel and were upset that many of the Jews had put faith in Jesus Christ and many of the Gentiles had put faith in Jesus Christ and they were no longer adhering to the Jewish way of doing things. That No longer were they in a right standing before God because they had been born a Jew because they had practiced circumcision or because they had given adherence to the law. All that was nullified by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So they have two things that are crushing them. Those that were into emperor worship and those who were these Jews who were not Jews at all, Paul says. They're of the saint, or uh, Jesus's. They're of the synagogue of Satan. Powerful words. These that are opposing those who belong to Jesus Christ are crushing the people of God. Now, I don't think any of us have experienced anything quite like that. Oh, we have pressures and we have difficult things that we deal with. But the kind of crushing that is spoken of here is something I know I've not experienced. And I doubt if many of us have either. We get upset with little irritations. I mean, it's amazing what we get upset over. It's amazing, just absolutely amazing. But these folks, Jesus says, I know how these crushing experiences are impacting you every hour of every day. And he goes on to say that as a result of these crushing pressures, they are experiencing poverty. Notice in verse 9, strong word. It means they were poverty-stricken. Now, this is very surprising because Smyrna was a place of, of, of commerce. It was a wealthy city. Some have surmised that maybe the Christians there at Smyrna were of a lower income class, but that's not necessarily the case. To the contrary, many of them were in a state of poverty because they had given so much away to help those that were in need. In fact, this church was a generous church. In fact, many scholars believe that one of the reasons they are so poverty-stricken is because of their generosity. They had given and given and given. And now this is a church that is experiencing this, this crushing experience. Moreover, it says that they are being slandered. 
says they are being slandered, being misrepresented and spoken of evilly. Look at verse 9. Those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. These people are slandering the people of God. Poverty, slander. But I want you to note what the text says. It says, even though they are experiencing poverty, what is in parentheses? They are spiritually rich. Why are they spiritually rich? Because they have put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have put their confidence in the one who loved them and died for them and was resurrected for them. And even though they have poverty that is unbelievable and they're being slandered from those in emperor worship and the Jews that are really not Jews but are the synagogue of Satan, let me tell you, they are rich because of their relationship to Jesus Christ. And friends, you may not have a lot of stuff. (laughs) But if you know Jesus, let me tell you, you have an inheritance that is being reserved for you in heaven at this moment. God is preparing your inheritance. And let me tell you, nobody's going to be grumbling about their inheritance. It's amazing to me how people fuss over inheritance. Divides families. Oh, goodness sakes. I've been in some situations, and it just breaks my heart how God's people fuss over inheritance. But let me tell you, God is preparing an inheritance for those who love him, and we as the body of Christ. If you know Jesus, you have an inheritance that is greater than any financial portfolio you may accumulate. It is an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us. Now, notice, he goes on to say that these Jews that are really not Jews but are the synagogue of Satan are doing everything they possibly can to distort and to hurt and to hinder God's people. Just remember this. Satan is a slanderer and a liar. He is the father of all lies. He doesn't come to bring healing. He comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. Jesus came so that we might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. But these people are being attacked by the one who is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus calls them the dwelling place of Satan. But let me remind you that Satan is not all-powerful. He always has to answer to the sovereign power and authority of Almighty God. He can only go so far and no further. Take a look at Job. Job was allowed to be afflicted on every side, but Satan could not do what? couldn't take his life you see the enemy though he is powerful he is not all powerful and the bible says greater is the one that is in us than the one who is in the world that ought to cause you to rejoice okay so these folks are experiencing these crushing experiences they're being slandered they are poverty stricken And in spite of all that they are experiencing, they still remain true to Jesus Christ. 
no compromise in their bones. They stand up tall for King Jesus. He goes on to share the promised sufferings that they're about to experience. Look at verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. <laughs> Lord of the Lampstand says, hey, you guys are being, you're being harassed, you're being slandered, you, 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 you don't have much of this world's goods, you're poverty-stricken, but cheer up, more's to come. More pain's on the way. There's more stuff you're going to experience. And what are they going to experience? Notice what the text says. He says that some of them are going to be placed into prison. Now notice, he doesn't say all of them. He says some of them. Which again tells us that even though some are facing the prospect of prison, that the Lord of the lampstands is still in control. Not all of them will, but some will. This speaks of his sovereignty in all of this. Though the enemy seeks to in, uh, extinguish the light of Christ's presence in this city, he can only go so far. He can't put all of them in prison. He can only put some of them. And though he seeks to confine some to the dark, dirty dungeons reserved for the lowest of the low, he's not able to confine all of them because the Lord of the lampstands is the sovereign God. He is in control. You see, the purpose, notice what the purpose of Satan is. It says here, the purpose of Satan is to test one's faith by an enticement to sin. This is how Satan works. He always seeks to cause us to do that which we know is wrong. He entices us to evil. And he does it to test us to see whether or not we are really going to stay true to the Lord Jesus Christ or if our faith is all dependent on our feelings and our circumstances. That's his purpose. He is out to destroy us. He's out to destroy the young people today. And he does it through social media. That's where most of it is happening today. It's scary to me. What our kids are being exposed to. Satan is running the show on social media. Oh, there's some good stuff. Don't misunderstand me. But by and large, most of it comes from the pit. The things that are being said on social media without any accountability, is unbelievable to me. Our kids are being exposed to it day and night. All the, oh my goodness. The enemy is out to distort and do everything he can to destroy everything God wants to build. And you see this right here in the text. That's what he's up to. He seeks to entice us to evil. Remember, just like Satan tried to use Potiphar's wife to entice Joseph to commit adultery. Remember how she maneuvered everything? And then she lies. What happened to Joseph? He got thrown in prison. 
for doing what's right. You see this over and over again. If we choose to do right, the consequences are not always wonderful. Some of us have this idea that if we come to faith in Jesus Christ, oh my, our lives are going to be prosperous. We're going to have everything we want. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If we're going to live for Jesus Christ, it's going to cost us something. If we're actually going to take our stand, we're going to be misunderstood. Because that's how the enemy operates. He tests us to pull us away from our faith and our confidence in the living God. Now, that's his purpose. What's God's purpose for the people of Smyrna? His purpose is to permit the enemy to test these Christians so that through this test, their uncompromising faith in God would become even stronger. You see, Satan tests us to destroy us. God allows tests to come to build us and to strengthen our faith and to help us to fall more deeply in love with Jesus every single day. This is what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. These things have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The tests come so that we can give glory and honor to Jesus. I think of my dear friend, George, in a little remote village in China who was thrown into prison during the Mao takeover. He was a doctor. He was a physician. He was also a pastor. The communists came in. They smashed his thumbs so he could never perform a surgery again. They threw him into a cesspool. He spent 23 years of his life in a cesspool, picking leeches off his arms. The only way he could get healing from the sores were to take those leeches and let them dry out, and then he would, would rub them together, and they'd form a powder, and he'd rub it into the wounds. This is George. This is a Christ follower experiencing, under Mao, incredible persecution. I was with George. I listened to his story. I said, George, how in the world did you ever, ever put up with this? I said, aren't you angry at what they did to you? Oh, no, no. I'm not angry. This is what he said. It broke my heart. He said, I was so thankful to be able to suffer that the Lord counted me worthy to suffer on his behalf. Man, I felt like a... Felt like a worm. Those are what the Bible calls some of those who are unworthy that are going to stand before God as champions of the faith. And he was released, George 
went back to the church that he had given up and he thought there would be nothing left. And that church that he had started had tripled because here was a brother who was faithful even in this kind of a situation. So, we go through the tests not because they're easy, but so that glory can come to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. He goes on to say, some of you are going to experience persecution. And some scholars take that 10 days to mean that the persecution would be complete because in Jewish numerology, 10 is a number of completeness. Others interpret that symbolically as just ongoing persecution. But no matter how you interpret that phrase, the thing for certain is this, that if we're going to stand tall for Jesus Christ, suffering will come. It's not an if. It will happen. It will take place. None of us as God's people are ever immune from this kind of suffering. You read the New Testament church, take a look at what Paul went through. Take a look at what all the apostles, they were all martyred for their faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran pastor who was hanged by a direct order of Himmler on April the 9th, 1945, in the Flossenburg concentration camp, he wrote a book that all of you ought to read called The Cost of Discipleship. This is what he says, quote, Suffering then is the badge of the true Christian. Discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ, and it is therefore not at all surprising that Christians should be called upon to suffer. But today, you and I, we live in a secularized, a post-Christian era where the masses would rather compromise than suffer. And the 21st century church has become so marginalized by the culture around us that it no longer stands for biblical principles and convictions. You don't hear people talking about biblical convictions anymore. In fact, the only thing that sets many in the Western world apart from their secular counterparts is that we come to church for an hour on Sunday. It's the only thing that sets us apart. Rest of the week, we just live like the rest of the crowd. Monday morning, we live according to the world system of values. We let the materialistic humanism set our personal agendas. We let the pornographers and the relativists determine our sexual conduct. We allow the principles of situational ethics to shape our business ventures. We lie and cheat, do dishonest things, just as long as nobody gets hurt. And we let the secular humanism of MTV poison the minds of our students. The sitcoms, the soap operas influence our homes and drive our family relationships. You cannot find a sitcom that honors the nuclear family today. It's all about the individual. 
the nuclear family is shrinking faster than we can imagine. We in the church, well, you know. <laughs> you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better, Pastor. Jesus is coming back, praise God. I don't have to, to take a stand anymore. It's just all, this is all God's plan. Oh, my goodness. What's the matter with us? If we would actually study the Scriptures and actually begin to understand that suffering is not something that we're going to bypass. It is something that if we are really legitimate, born from above believers, we should be expecting. It's not popular today. (laughs) This is one of the hardest messages I've ever had to preach. But it's the Word of God. Many churches no longer preach about the lostness and depravity of man. They no longer talk about the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Don't talk about repentance anymore, true conversion, salvation by faith alone in Christ. Many churches today no longer preach about the resurrection or the virgin birth. They no longer preach on judgment, the reality of heaven and hell. They compromised in order to be pleasing to others. And in too many instances, the pulpit has become a sounding board for every man-made movement under the sun other than a mouthpiece for the truth of the gospel. Compromising Christianity demands no love, no suffering, But the church at Smyrna is uncompromising. And she pays for it greatly. Now, notice the path through suffering that Smyrna is to follow. Verse 10, Lord of the Lampstands gives two strong commands. He says, first of all, verse 10, notice... Do not fear. Stop fearing. Stop being afraid. You see, fear is an emotion that oftentimes triggers us to just do, just kind of go along with the flow. I mean, if someone were to come up to you and say, do you believe in Jesus Christ? What would you say? What would you say? And if you deny Jesus, we won't kill you. Will you still stand true? See, see this, this is the bottom line. He says, stop fearing what they can do to you. To the contrary, I want you to put your complete confidence in the living God. Stop being afraid. You belong to the king. <laughs> you, you belong to him. And then number two, continue on being faithful, notice, to the point of death. In other words, Jesus makes it very clear that some of us are going to have to lay down our lives in being faithful. Some of that's happening right now in Afghanistan. There are people that are being murdered, Christ followers, missionaries, Because 
they have put their faith and their trust in Jesus. It's happening in Nigeria. It's happening in many parts of the world we haven't even heard of. There is an all-out assault against the people of God. And Jesus says to this suffering church, I want you to be faithful even to the point of death. Why should we be faithful to the point of death? Look at chapter 2 and verse 8. Jesus is the eternal one. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternal. He is the risen one, verse 8. He died, came to life again. He is the all-knowing one. He knows everything about us, verse 9. He is the sovereign one, verse 10. He is in control, and he is the life-giving one. Notice, last part of verse 10, I will give you the crown of life. When we endure through prison, through persecution, and even to the point of death, what's the payoff for us? It's the crown of life. <laughs> Do you realize he's, he's preparing that for us right now? And notice also, not only can we experience this incredible life forever with him, but he also says in the last part of verse 11, he who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. What is the second death? It is eternal separation from God. That was never God's intention. That was, that's hell. That's what it is. Hell was never created for human beings. It was created for the devil and his angels. And Jesus says, to those that are willing to go through suffering, you will get a crown of life and you will not be hurt by the second death. That causes to say, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's been a hard message. God calls us to be willing to lay it on the line for him. Down through the history of the church, you see this time and time and time again. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. They arrested him. They hunted him down. They asked him to recant, to deny his faith in Jesus Christ. And Polycarp said this, for 86 years I have followed Jesus. How can I turn my back on him now? They burned him to a stake. The wind changed. The flames went away from Polycarp to prolong his agony. Finally, a soldier took a sword and thrust it in Polycarp. But he did not deny his Lord. We have brothers and sisters that are being asked, even as I speak, to deny Jesus. And they are being murdered. We as the body must stand with them in our prayers, in our support. We must not forget the persecuted 
church. Father in heaven, we get so comfortable. Forgive us. Help us to understand that if we're going to really live this supernatural life that you've given to us, that it's not going to be easy. There will be times when we experience crushing experiences that almost squeeze the life out of us. But the thing that can never be squeezed out of us is the life of God. And we are rich because we have placed our faith in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. May we, like Polycarp, be obedient to you even until the end. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, God, you are so good. You are so faithful. Oh, we love you. We love you so much. Help us. Help us. Never to compromise. Help us to keep our eyes on you and to pray every day for the suffering church that you love so much. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and that sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore we pray. Amen. Good morning and Maranatha, lo he comes. Have a great day in Jesus. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.